Welcome ladies and gentlemen to the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch the Podium and this episode will get you baffled. It's not shall get you baffled, it will. And here's the reason behind my confidence. This episode right here is going to be the F1 2021 season stats review. And who needs Superman or who needs Batman when you can have Statman with you? And so on this episode, <laughs> we're going to have Sundaram from our team who is just the most fascinating stats man that we can ever imagine on the internet coming up right here and discussing some of the most fascinating stories and the stats from this season. So, as I'm sure you can tell right now, we're not going to wait anymore. We're going to get right down into it. Let's do this. Well, hello there, folks. Welcome along to Pitch the Podium and the Inside Line F1 podcast. My name is Somal Arora, joined, of course, by Kunal Shah, who is the former marketing head of the Force India F1 team. But Kunal... I I think it's the first time that we've had all three of us together on camera and it's so so awesome to have the stat man here with us because this episode is just going to be such a deep dive into this season's best stories. It is and you know I was thinking of like I can't do an intro as well as you do but I can <laughs> only think of music so I'm like ding 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 stat man that's how it is you know when it comes to introducing Sundaram but it's it's great to be uh doing this mid season Sundaram is you know pulling out some amazing stats which all you guys would have read on Twitter on websites on Instagram as well and Sundaram thanks for joining us and I'm waiting to be blown by you one more time today It's a pleasure to be joining the both of you. I, I'm actually feeling pretty overwhelmed at this time, at this moment. Thanks to Somal's special introduction. <laughs> I have my own custom-made special introduction. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this um, video and discussing the stats from from this year. Absolutely, so much to do, so much to talk about. Let's not waste any time. Let's ask the first major question of the season, and what has been the best moment for us so far? And and of course, because we are speaking about stats here, stats will never be too far away, even in a discussion like this one. But why don't you go first, Sundaram? What was your moment of the season so far? I think I'll give that to Esteban Ocon winning the Hungarian Grand Prix. it's also from a feel good factor uh, having a new race winner on 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 the grid so due to which now we have 11 race winners on the 2021 grid which is the most we've ever had since the 2012 season now we all know the 2012 season for being a very iconic season for having many different race winners uh, but it also shows that the young brigade that we have right now the young drivers mm. going all the way up to russell they are a very talented bunch Uh, if we have 11 race winners obviously we have a very talented bunch and i'm just happy that the future of formula 1 is going to be very exciting it's a crazy amount isn't it 11 grand prix winners and who would have thought that in the last couple of years we'd see someone like gasly or ocon end up winning races but that's just the magic of the season but i get a feeling kunal i don't think ocon winning was your moment of the season was it no it definitely was uh, wasn't rather <laughs> uh you know and i'm sure sundaram somewhere deep inside given all the alonso in the background was like i wish it was fernando alonso <laughs> scoring the win maybe yeah, yeah, formula 1 yeah. wishes it was fernando alonso scoring the win he played a great role in the victory but you know alonso winning would have been even more epic taking nothing away from esteban i'm sorry i don't mean to do that but what a great stat 11 out of 20 drivers racing have won a race which is over 50% of the racing grid and and that's that's i think phenomenal in every way and my moment uh somel has to be silverstone has to be cops i don't need to say any more we we 
dis- we've discussed it we've dissected it it's been done over and over again in various various platforms and uh, i think i think to me the reason why it is definitely the 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 most striking uh, moment of the season was just the way it polarized the sport just the way it uh, you know it brought uh, it brought a lot of chatter around hey there is this generational title rivalry and mm. everything else that followed after that so and then of course there's that great stat again which is you know something sundaram has been updating through the season which is the number of laps led between the two title protagonists and who is actually leading the world championship absolutely as you can see right now 403 led by max only 128 led by lewis we shall discuss more on that in a second but the reason why it also has to be silverstone for me is well we've all seen johnny herbert winning a couple of races here and there but do you remember johnny herbert's win as much as you remember schumacher versus hakkinen clashing in that same time frame i don't think you do in the long run it's these rivalries that you remember and that is why silverstone which was a crash 3 years in the making has to be my moment of the season but There's more to the season than just a few good moments. There's so much more to talk about and let's actually get down to that title rivalry in itself because this seriously has the potential to be one of the greats of the last decade and a half or something like that. So straight away Sundaram straight away we are seeing such a crazy thing you mentioned the the laps led graphic it it's absolutely mind-boggling to see that Max has done almost four times as much than Lewis. Yeah, yeah. So the fact that Max Verstappen has over 400 laps in the lead, you would most probably think that he is the person who is leading the championship, and that's probably that's what's happening over the last several seasons. But the fact that Lewis Hamilton has led probably one third of, of that number is it's quite staggering, and that he's that he's leading the championship. And that boils down to two two things. First of all, it's the strategy. that mercedes uh, deploy and and certain races for example spain and britain are very classic examples uh, hamilton won those races but he led just a couple of uh, laps the last few laps in that race so you don't really need to be leading um, those laps to uh, to win it mm. and and the second thing is hamilton's consistency um, in the last four races hamilton has won has has led just six laps uh and wow. verstappen has led 142 laps so we'd probably think verstappen has is the person who has more points in his kitty in these last four races but actually it is hamilton who has 76 points after leading just six laps so that's what <laughs> it's the consistency of hamilton always being right up there in in the points taking a second place or a faster lap and also coupled with the team strategy so yeah don't let these stats mislead you on on, on the most laps led that's that doesn't portray <laughs> the best picture when when it comes from such a credible source you you can't be misleaded as well right but seriously kunal how how long has it been since we've seen a title battle so close in terms of points even vettel and hamilton was pretty decent but i think we get a feeling that this one will continue right down to the very end and and the stats show it all the way through i think the stats show it all the way it's you know like sundaram said don't let the stats mislead you and that, that's true because you know the stats always reveal only that much of the story so if anyone's you know tuning into formula 1 and the podcast uh and watching the video just for the stats guys the real meat is actually in the races because what this stat that sundaram has you know just shared about most laps led versus the driver who's leading the tri- you know the championship battle also shows two things the first is that 
it it matters when you are leading your lap are you leading your mm. lap at the start of the race because what's actually important is leading the leading the race at the end of the race and that's that's the key thing and the second of course is just how closely fought the battle is and you know max verstappen he's not uh, seen uh, you know he's he's had the last two races where first lap incidents have cost him uh, you know uh, great performances uh, then of course in baku he had the the failure as well so it's it's one of those things that you know it's just luck that needs to change and that's the you know radio message then christian that christian horner and max verstappen exchanged at the end of the race in hungary right but somel since you mentioned just how close uh, you know the title battle has been uh, again this is credit to sundaram he he feeds all these stats and i keep reading them everywhere he posts them but the title rivals are separated by just 8 points and this is after of course fettel's disqualification becoming official and so on right so hamilton yeah. leads verstappen by 8 points and this is the smallest margin at the mid-season mark since the 2010 formula 1 world championship right and then of course back in 2010 it was 4 points that separated fettel and hamilton then of course we know that fettel went on to win but <laughs> this is the smallest gap that we've seen since 2010 and i think that's just going back to the point that watch the races that's where the meat of all of this lies genuinely and liberty media will be laughing all the way to the bank after seeing these kind of statistics after seeing how close the battles are and apparently according to them the races have received very positive reviews as well even f1 sprint by the way now it's a bit divisive that one but we shall speak about that sometime later not here not right now but what we can talk about right now in this amazing championship fight is that it's not just hamilton who's leading the championship for mercedes mercedes have also pipped red bull at the very end of the season at the very end of the first half of the season at least to get the constructors championship lead heading into the summer break they've got 303 points red bull some 291 And that's a bit surprising, considering that Bottas has had so many DNFs and all that. More on that in a couple of minutes' time. But this is outstanding, and the omen for them looks very, very good because this is one stat, of course, that I pulled out from Sundaram's Twitter feed, which you should follow, by the way. Link in the description. The 19 of the last 20 championships have won, have been won by the constructor leading into the Hungarian Grand Prix. Uh, leading out of the Hungarian Grand Prix is what I mean to say, and that is just some stunning stuff. And who was that one team that couldn't quite capitalize on that Sundaram back in the day? That was that was back um, in two thousand three. That was the Williams team. But you also have to remember the races back then. They were the, the seasons back then. They had much shorter races, sixteen, mm. seventeen, and so on. So if you're looking after the Hungarian Grand Prix, sometimes the Hungarian Grand Prix was well after twelve or thirteen. But but. The stat looks very good for Mercedes if they uh, want to go by these numbers <laughs> and predict if they're going to win this. Exactly, things look good for them on that side, but they need Bottas to deliver. And so let's speak about Valtteri Bottas, right? There have been some really eye-opening stats from the entire rest of the pack, apart from Hamilton and Verstappen as well. This one right now, I think the focus just has to be on Valtteri Bottas and. How outstanding is it, Sundaram, that Bottas has a top drive, but unfortunately for the poor man, he just cannot convert it into a big result this year. No, like you mentioned, it's it's a top drive. That's that's a seat where the rest of the grid would die to be sitting in and and driving that car around because that is a championship-winning car for the last seven years. George certainly so, would. George Russell has been dying for it for years now. <laughs> 
definitely and it seems like he's probably going to be the next person who's going to be sitting that car next year hmm. um but Bottas has been has been having pretty uh, a torrid season this year he's had 3 DNFs like you mentioned he's had 3 DNFs and that's the most he's ever had in one formula 1 season and the most a mercedes driver had uh, mercedes driver has had since 2014 so it goes to show that they usually don't suffer a lot of reliability issues or crashes and all of that but this year it's happening to bottas and with these results his 2022 seat definitely is in danger and it's a bit crazy isn't it i think it was the sky commentary in that pulled out the stat while the race was going on that in hungary it was the first ever career first lap retirement yep. for valtteri bottas that he had in that race it's just stunning it's no sabotage it's nothing like that it just is a coincidence but kunal coming back to the stats on bottas as well i know we're stressing a bit on him but it's a bit remarkable that from the last year bottas has 53 less points from this very stage of the season last year uh, I I don't even know what to say it's just not been his year and Mercedes would certainly be wondering well for now it's not a problem because we lead in the constructors championship but that's down to a lot of bad luck for Red Bull had both their drivers been on the perfect luck I I don't think Mercedes would be where they are Absolutely you know I I like how both of you have nicely slotted Bottas in this whole rest of the pack discussion because <laughs> technically speaking after Verstappen and Hamilton literally everyone is rest of the pack and that's because of how Perez and Bottas have been performing in 2021 and because of uh, the fact that uh, you know Lando Norris has taken you know P3 taken himself into the P3 battle as well but yes you know Bottas needs to perform and uh, it's a high stakes battle it's also about who loses more points with uh, who loses more money with all the crashes that have been happening yeah. courtesy of the mercedes drivers as well and uh, my best of the rest or the rest of pack uh, stat that really stands out uh, again from the hungarian grand prix that williams has scored more points in the hungarian grand prix alone than they did in their last 70 races and that exactly it's mind boggling literally in every way of course there is now this whole talk of hey williams is of course jumped up the ranking suddenly they're saying we don't need paid drivers we've got funding <laughs> they're going to get more money from formula 1 as well and then you know nico hulkenberg who's on one of those drivers on the long list of you know williams's prospects mm-hmm. he's gone and shared this you know picture of him driving i think it was a williams car you know back in time and uh, suddenly that spiced <laughs> up the whole driver silly season discussion as well and and mind you guys nico actually did that last year when the whole red bull talk was happening he was you know he was I, seen using a honda lawn mower i think he was so, right right not sure if you know him sharing a picture of williams is a good omen or a good hint in any way but <laughs> yes williams scoring more points in hungary than they did in their last 70 races is my mind-boggling stat for the rest of the pack how do you do this sundar how do you pull out data like that uh, it's <laughs> it's it's a question we end up asking quite often in the team whatsapp group whenever sundar posts his work right there it You know what to do, guys. You know what to do. Check out the link in the description to see where you can follow Sundaram and keep up with his stats as they come on in. But here's another one. Here's another one of the stats that you pulled out, Sundaram, that I have to bring out right here. Points gain. As we mentioned that Bottas was 53 points down compared to last year. This time out, it's Mercedes losing 88 points in relation to last year. And 
it in a way is a big thing, losing 88 points in comparison to last year. But when you've got two cars all of a sudden in the fight for the championship, two cars competing for race wins in Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen, I don't think it's the biggest thing in the world. But that said, there are teams gaining. And is it any surprise that Ferrari and Red Bull are the two top gainers, with Ferrari gaining 83 points and Red Bull gaining 80 and this is a very interesting statistics now, because a statistic now, you can't have one statistics. You know the deal, man. I'm just confusing myself right here. But what I mean to say is, it's alarming to see how quickly Red Bull Racing have jumped up the ranks, how quickly they have worked things up and how the regulations have favoured them. But even Ferrari, we were lamenting them, we were criticising them all the way through. In 2021, they've just flicked a switch. And this right here is just something brilliant that we're seeing from the team right now. And the best part is it's coming from two drivers instead of just one. Which brings us into discussing more about teammates because all of a sudden we have a few really interesting stats to speak about teammates and how they are faring against each other. And clearly, guys, Mattia Binotto right here is coming up and saying Ferrari just has the best driver lineup on the entire grid. And it just might be backed up by the fact that their two teammates are so close on the rankings right now in terms of points as well. And it's not the older driver in the team who's winning. It's the one who's joined in here. Yep, yep. Because uh, we have science coming into the team and you would often think that when drivers are presented with new machinery, they're going to be taking some time uh, to get accustomed to the car and there's going to be a couple of issues and everything. But Sainz has been his his consistent best, what he's been doing since his McLaren days and even before as well. Um, he's, he's right up there with Leclerc and there's just a three yeah. points difference between the both of them. So uh, I would I would differ uh, to Binotto's claim that he has the, the best uh, team or uh, the best uh, drivers in, in, the, in the field, because I feel that there are much more uh, talented ones or much more skilled drivers than, in, for example, like Perez and Verstappen, but it's just that Perez is not firing on all cylinders. And also with Ricardo not firing on all cylinders, uh, I think there's a bit more output that can be extracted from that Red Bull and that McLaren. It's outstanding, right? As you can see on the graphic on the screen right now, or if you're listening to the podcast version, Vettel, 12 points ahead of Lando, of, oh, not of Lando Norris, of Lance Stroll, that is. Signs three points ahead of Charles Leclerc. Both of these are two drivers that have come into the team and who have made an impact all of a sudden. But, but Kunal, what's actually interesting is that on the back half of the field, we might just have a very fun driver who is... All of a sudden, the one furthest behind to his team, and it's not who we think it is somehow. Yeah, that's my actual, that's the biggest surprise. I have two surprises, you know. Uh, first, of course, is that uh, the biggest qualifying gap is actually Yuki Sonoda to Pierre Gasly. All along, we would have assumed that it's Nikita Mazepin for the obvious reasons. Yeah. The, the global ambassador, at least in my head, for manscaped lawnmower. You know, if there's any driver who's <laughs> probably had a higher chance of going off it's Mazepin of course uh, that's just my view <laughs> but the second one of course in this whole teammates comparison has been the gap in qualifying between Fettel and Stroll yeah. I all along would have believed that Fettel would have been miles ahead purely because of you know his qualifying prowess during his you know Ferrari years and Red Bull years he's always the single lap specialist right uh, but Stroll, on the other hand, has always been promoted as, so. Oh, he's the guy who gets you points on a Sunday. But suddenly when you see this gap between the Aston Martin drivers, and I'm like, okay, wow, that is really close. It is just fascinating, this one. And 
Lance Stroll, we've often said that, oh, he's just a pay driver. He's here because his dad is in. That might be the case, but you've got to admit, he's closed up the gap so much. And these teammate comparisons really boggle your mind, right? Because as Kunal, as you rightly mentioned, who would have thought that he was so close to Vettel in terms of qualifying and even in terms of the points gap? Had it not been for Hungary, well, who knows how things could have been. Had it not been for the disqualification, had it not been for the crash. But yeah, stuff just happens. Yeah, I have, I have one further point to this whole teammate comparison thing. So like Kunal mentioned, uh, it's Yuki Sunoda who has the, the biggest average qualifying gap to his teammate. Yep. And also if you look at, at the points difference, you see Sergio Perez is 80 plus points behind. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo is 60 plus points behind. Uh, but once again, this stat that the numbers are pretty misleading. So if you look at the, the, their teammates, it's, it's Pierre Gasly, it's Lando Norris, it's Max Verstappen. And uh, all these drivers have been with the team for a couple of years. Mm. They're, the cars, they're accustomed to the cars. They know how the different functions and how the team work. So in that sense, it, it's a bit uh, tipping in their side. Uh, obviously, they will be extracting, extracting a bit more potential than their new teammates. So in that sense, uh, Nikita Mazepin and Mick Schumacher are on a level field and they are two rookies. So in that sense, I would say Nikita Mazepin <laughs> is the slowest driver of, on the grid at this point of time. Because, yeah, your, your teammate is, is the benchmark that, yeah. that you've set if you want to compare the performance. So in that sense, I would say uh, it's Nikita Mazepin and not basically what the stat says about Yuki Sunoda. The exact numbers, Pierre Gasly and Yuki Tsunoda, five tenths of a second, uh, not five, five and a half tenths of a second, the average qualifying gap. Mick Schumacher and Nikita Mazepin, four and a half tenths of a second, the average quality gap between them. Verstappen, four and a half tenths ahead of Sergio Perez. George Russell, three, uh, 3.7, uh, three, uh, 3.70 tenths of a second behind of Latifi. Uh, Giovinazzi, again, three tenths behind, uh, three tenths ahead of Raikkonen. Norris, three tenths ahead of Ricardo. Hamilton, one and a half or ten, uh, tenths ahead of Bottas. Leclerc, one tenth ahead of Sainz on average. Ocon, just three hundredths of a second ahead of Alonso Perlap and Stroll, mm-hmm. 1.5 hundredths. Uh, it is just stunning stuff, these gaps that we've pulled out right here. It's incredible. But before we move on to speaking about what we have to expect later on in the season, we we just got to wonder, right? The point that you mentioned about Schumacher, the point that you mentioned about Mazepin, at least they're both tied on points in a way. So he's not losing out that bad to his <laughs> teammates. So there's, there's one aspect to it. But I think that's enough on uh, sledging more about teammates and discussing more about that. We've discussed the star performers. We've discussed how good Stroll and how good signs have been, which leads us very well into speaking about the coming uh, half of the season. Second half, there's tons and tons and tons of things to expect all the way through to the season. But wh- why don't we go with you first, Kunal? What do we, you want to see the most happening in this second half of the season? What do you think is going to happen here, logically? Yeah, so, you know, it's the mid-season break. I'm missing out on all the Formula 1 action. So, instead of one, I'm going to say two things go for it. that I'm actually looking out for in the second half of the season. Uh, firstly, you know, I'm looking forward to the 12 races that we are going to have in the second half. To, to my mind, it's the longest uh, season half after the summer break. It's more races for the first time ever after the summer break than before the summer break, right? So 12 races, even more importantly, I'm eager to know where those races are going to happen. Of course, at the moment, there is a calendar that's set and there is a revision that's made, which has also been announced and so on and so forth. 
But the the true point is that we don't know if all those races are going to happen, and if there are change yeah. in venues, how you know the whole talk of this is a Red Bull circuit and this is a Mercedes circuit, and all those factors will come into play when it comes to the championship battles, right? So that's point number one, uh, and point number two, I am waiting to see a Bottas versus a Perez versus yes. a Norris battle. We've spoken about this earlier in the episode. We've spoken about it all season long. And to me, just what Lando Norris has been able to do in that McLaren is making Perez and Bottas look a little silly in their faster <laughs> cars, in their race winning and championship contending cars. And most importantly, you know, in the last couple of races, Perez has been very, very uncharacteristic. He seems mm. a little rattled. He seems like, oh my God, I'm unable to get on top of this Red Bull. Uh, and, you know, after his win in Baku, which I think he did really well to fend off Hamilton when he did, it's just been a little downhill for me, to be honest. But yeah, these are the two things that I'm looking forward to. It's not just for you, to be honest. I think in hindsight, it would be a bit interesting to say that, well, we said, uh, I mean, we, of course, confirmed Sergio Perez's claim that he said, give me five races, I'll be great. And he won on the fifth one. But since then, you're right, th there's just been no consistency. There's been self-errors. There's been incidents where he's been taken out. And there's been some times where there's been no pace at all. It's just a bit of a baffling year. But what about you, Sundaram? What are you willing to see? Apart from, of course, maybe even Charles Leclerc or Carlos Sainz pushing their way in. Because all of a sudden, on certain rounds, like, say, street circuits... Ferrari just look pretty, pretty good and they can punch even above Lando Norris in a case like that. Yeah, so if, if Ferrari, uh, I would definitely keep an eye on Ferrari during the, the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix because looking at that track layout, I don't mm. know where they're going to be finding an opportunity to overtake. <laughs> but one thing that I'm particularly not really looking forward to are the triple headers and the next three races are a triple header. We have a couple of triple headers. Oh. They get very, very exhausting and they tend to drain us out itself so i can't imagine yeah. what the, the team and the personnel are going through uh but uh two things that i am looking for once again like kunal mentioned lando norris extending into that fact so he said that sergio perez seems a bit rattled yes and uh, valtteri bottas as well seems not he, he seems short on confidence but on the other side on the flip side you have lando norris who's literally brimming with confidence and he's had multiple, he's had a streak of points, he's had a streak of top five finishes. I'm definitely looking out to see if Lando Norris can convert that into a race victory. I would love to see mm -hmm. a McLaren Mercedes on, on the top step because the consistency is there. And, and probably if an opportunity like Hungary presents itself, we would love to see Lando Norris on the top step. Uh, but the other thing that I am going to look forward to, obviously, is the, the, the championship who wins the title. It's the last 12 10, 12 races. So I definitely want to see how Red Bull uh, adapt to this. They they had a very good lead until, up until the last two races. But I really want to see how they uh, go into the next set of venues where they have not won in a very long time, probably mm. around the starting of the hybrid era and, and sometimes and probably even before that. So I'm really looking forward to see how Red Bull perform in the next five, six races, can they be completely dominant and can they take the title without it going into the last few uh, races of the season? So, yeah, I'm going to be looking at Red Bull. And that's such a good point that you mentioned. Leads us straight into a graphic that you made. And this is a crazy one. Red Bull's last wins at the next venues. Belgium, 2014, when Ricciardo won. Italy, 2013. They've never won at Sochi, ever. Which is a bit, of course, understandable because Sochi came on. Track. It 
It's it's a Mercedes track, yeah. or, or more specifically a Valtteri Bottas track. It's only Austria or Sochi where Bottas looks so good. Everywhere else, you wonder, well, why is he still there? So there's that one. It's also Turkey with the last one in 2011. Again, it uh, makes sense because Turkey wasn't there on the calendar for a while. But Suzuka, it astounds me that they've still not got a win at Suzuka since 2013. Neither have they done at the USA at Circuit of the Americas since 2013. Mexico City was 2018, the last time that we can remember. I think it was. Was Max, wasn't it? And Brazil 2019 was yeah. theirs as well. And the last time they won at Abu Dhabi was a few months ago uh, in 2020 with Max Verstappen, of course. So it's a bit of a dicey track record, but they look stronger than ever for Red Bull Racing. Just seems to be fun. But final few points, what I'm looking forward to before we close off this particular episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch the Podium Daniel Ricciardo, guys. Daniel Ricciardo is finally going to get some remorse, finally going to get a break in a way from constantly hammering in the laps, constantly driving the McLaren and being stressed out. And it really makes a world of difference to step step back a little bit, to clear out your mind, focus on other things and come back refreshed. As Mercedes have said constantly in their video explaining what the summer break is all about, which you should watch, by the way, on YouTube after this one is done. So for Ricciardo, coming back fresh, coming back rejuvenated could mean so much. And the points graphic that we saw right there between himself and Lando Norris, well, it could just be cut down from maybe 63 points to a bit less as we see him growing in confidence. And finally, as we mentioned early on, that battle between Bottas, that battle between Perez, battle between Lando Norris, and maybe even sneaking the Ferraris in all the way through. But that is all that we have for today, folks. This was great fun. Thank you so much for joining us, Sundaram. Uh, Sundaram and... We, we, I think we need to do more of these stats reviews. It really is a fun thing to do and there'll be a lot more coming along, along with a weekly stats review session as well in the pre and the post race videos and the podcast. So keep in touch with that one, folks. Thanks a lot, Samuel. I had, I had a lot of fun and we should definitely do a lot of, uh, lot more of these. Absolutely. So, folks, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening to this. You know the deal. I don't need to tell it to you again, but subscribe to the Inside Line F1 podcast, subscribe to Pits to Podium, and we shall see you on another episode right here. See you.